Amen. I invite you to open your Bible with me and hope that uh, you brought your Bible with you this morning. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, we'll read starting at the 6th verse through verse 16, um, but I want to focus on the last five verses, verses 12 through 16 for our text this morning. So I invite you to uh, read with me 1 Timothy chapter 4 starting at verse 6. Paul writes to Timothy, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister, a good servant of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, for to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to, doct to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Let me pray with you for just a moment. Father, we're grateful today for your presence, that you are a great God, worthy of of our fear, to be in awe of, to hold in great mystery. Your nature is beyond our ability to fathom and all of your attributes and who you are. And God, we, we're here to worship you and to hear you speak. And so, Lord, bear witness through your spirit with our spirit that we would hear your voice and more than just hearing your voice, Lord, that our responses would be those of faith and obedience and trust. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak from this text, primarily on verses 12 through 16, on the subject of leadership. Especially that of establishing yourself as a leader, whether young or old. Um, in the church, in the home, in the workplace, wherever you are, establishing yourself as a leader. I've made this comment to lots of young guys going into pastoral ministry that when you go to a church, your very first one, you become their preacher the very first Sunday, but becoming their pastor, becoming their leader takes time. It's more proven and earned than just granted. 
From the text, this young pastor, Timothy, is learning that fact. He has inherited a tough, tough ministry assignment. He's young, youthful, he's inexperienced, he's unproven as a pastor, but yet he was appointed to be the pastor of the Ephesian church. And we've gone through all of this, all of the challenges that he was faced with, uh, had to meet certainly with lots of groups of people. Can you imagine that? Here he is, a young guy, comes into a well-established church in Ephesus, and there's false teachers, and so he, he had to corral those, those teachers together, those men. And so in your mind, think about how you would confront those men. You're young, first church, you have to pull them all together and say, brothers, or whatever you said, and you had to correct, they were not teaching sound doctrine. And so you had to confront all of those guys and then wonder how that was going to be received. And then there were men in the church causing division. You remember that? He calls them to stop being divisive and quarreling, and he calls them to pray. And so Timothy has to find out these guys who they are, pull them together, and then he has to meet with a bunch of women in the church who were dressing improperly and speaking improperly and behaving improperly, and so he had to have these women and gather together and have a meeting with them, and then there were some other individuals in the church that were aspiring to positions of spiritual leadership, and they weren't qualified, and so Timothy has to meet with them and tell them no, they're not going to be leaders in the church. And then the Bible also in this text references earlier, some of those earlier texts we read, that there were some members under the influence of demonic activity. That's what he's faced with. That's what he's challenged with dealing with. And so Paul provides some spiritual counsel. And we looked through that in verses 6 through 11 last Sunday. If you want to be a good servant, a good minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, then Paul says, Timothy, devote yourself to three things. And you remember, we looked at those three things. First, learn the Bible. He says in verse 6, stay nourished in the words of faith, in doctrine. Second, pass it along to others. Teach others. Behind the ministry of public teaching and preaching is that a private study. Timothy spending time alone with God in prayer and study was his sacrifice, was his offering to the Lord. And so learn the Bible, nourished in the words of faith, pass along, teach and command all these things, and then Timothy, devote yourself to godliness, spiritual exercise. You remember, physical exercise, physical exercise is good. There's some benefit for you and I taking care of ourselves physically and exercising but he says spiritual exercise unto godliness has a double value, both producing value here in this life, but also in the life to come. So Timothy, train yourself spiritually. Eat well, be nourished, exercise unto godliness. And then in addition to those personal things, Paul provides some counsel in verses 12 through 16. He is to establish his leadership, which is... A process. It's going to take some time. I want to point out that there is a problem, if you still have your Bible open, between verse 11 and verse 12. There's a problem. On the one hand, he was put into or placed into this position. Now, he may not have chosen to be in this position, but 
Paul, you remember, appointed him and told him to remain there to stay. So he was placed into his role, a position of serious spiritual responsibility. He was to command and to teach these things and to function as a leader. That's on the one hand. And then on the other hand, he's inexperienced. He's young. He's never done any of this before. And then you see the problem in verse 12. He says, don't let anyone look down upon your age, your youth. So think about this. You, you're, we're, we're a well-established church. And there was a young, young pastor come into Hillcrest Baptist Church and with guns blazing and started meeting with groups and confronting and dealing with kinds of things. And, and you as a church didn't select him. You didn't call him. He was appointed. He was placed here among you. And there's pretty good evidence as you read this that the, some of that congregation of the Ephesian church was rejecting him. It's possible, it's likely that some members were jealous of Timothy He's been promoted ahead of them. They didn't really call him to be their pastor. He's young, lacking experienced. And so therefore, there's some members of the church not responding well to his leadership. This is not a new problem. <laughs> and it's going to continue to be a problem. Older people in the church oftentimes find it difficult to accept younger leaders, especially as they have new ideas and try to change things and do things differently. And younger people in the church often get irritated at older people in the church because they're closed-minded and don't seem adaptable. It's not a new problem. Paul says to Timothy in verse 12, don't allow anyone to look down on you. And so he, after making that statement, which kind of implies to me that some members were doing just that, weren't happy with him, Paul tells Timothy, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to handle this situation. And Paul, notice, does not tell him as a leader. He doesn't tell him to be aggressive. He doesn't say, meet with these groups with guns blazing. He doesn't say, Timothy, throw your weight around, be assertive, impose your will. That's not what he says at all. In other words, Timothy, you can't make demands and I found something over years, almost 40 years of pastoring a church, if you as a pastor or some other leader in the church, if you have to start barking out orders or tell them and remind them that you're the pastor or to ask them questions like, who's running the show here, you or me, then you're already cooked. You're already in trouble. Instead, verse 12, don't let people look down upon you because of your age. Paul is about to provide some counsel here for Timothy to work on some things to establish himself as a leader. In other words, to earn his stripes, gaining their acceptance through trust and support and respect. And so to be an effective servant, to be a good minister, and that refers to not only pastors, that should, should describe all of us as a follower of Jesus Christ, don't you want to be an effective servant? Don't all of us want to be good servants of the Lord? Then this advice is not only for pastors, it's for all of us. And so just real quickly, he says, eat well, exercise, take care of yourself spiritually. Then Timothy, follow this counsel to gain 
people's acceptance, support, respect, and trust. What does he tell them to do? Focus on these things personally and then do these things. Number one, verse 12, Timothy, be an example. Determine that your life is going to be a model, an example. Paul was never shy of inviting his those that he ministered to and those that he wrote to to be imitators of him. 1 Corinthians 11, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Some translations say, follow me as I follow Christ. And so he's telling Timothy and all of us to do the same. Don't let, let anyone look down upon you, but set an example. That's what he says in verse 12. Set an example, and then he says in these areas, in your speech, your words, things that come out of your mouth, your life, your conduct, your behavior, your, your love, how you treat other people, your spirit, your genuineness, your faith, your attitude, your purity, your spiritually, your, your, your purity, your, your moral morality. Timothy, you can overcome your youthfulness and your age if you will establish your life as an example to the church. The apostle Peter gave the same advice to the elders in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, I urge you to serve humbly, not lording over those entrusted to your care, but being examples, being examples to the flock. The real, the big temptation, whenever our leadership is threatened, questioned, or challenged, is to assert it the more strongly, to become autocratic, maybe even a tyrant. Some preachers operate that way. But that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught that leadership and lordship are different things. The Christian leader leads by example, by being a servant, not force, who gains a following, who earns it. It's not, he or she is not a boss who demands it. Timothy's example was to be all-encompassing in word and deed, in speech and behavior, being an example. He says, especially in love, which is the preeminent virtue, treating people, treating people the way they, maybe they don't even deserve to be treated, but that's what love does, treats people, and in faith, trust in God. I think Paul is saying, Timothy, the more that they, you trust in the Lord, the more that you can expect that other people will trust in you. Many of you parents and you grandparents would want your children and your grandchildren to imitate your life, to say the things they hear you say, to do the things they see you do, your faith, your love, how you treat people every day, your, your morals, your attitude. We've had our grandson with us the last few days, and it's amazing how he picks up on everything. Be doing something and yet he's listening to everything you say. He hears, he sees what you do. You see, we're to live our lives in such a way that we're examples to others. And you know, who is our ultimate example? All right, our ultimate example is Jesus. Be an example, be like Christ. 
to know him, to know his word, to please him, to imitate the Lord. There's a passage in Philippians 3. Would you turn over there with me? Because I want to read this with you because it's, it's just one of my favorites. It's, it's about imitating Jesus, being like Christ. Paul writes to the Philippians in chapter 3, verse 7. Would you read this with me? But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted rubbish or counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of what? Of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, knowing him. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count all things as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Jesus. And I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. He goes on, not that I have already attained. You know what he's saying there? He said, he's saying spiritually, I haven't arrived. I'm not all I should be yet. I have not already attained. Nor am I already perfect. But what? I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press, I lean in, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Our lives are to be an example. Examples of Christ. You remember the hymn, Oh, to be like thee? Blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, thy perfect likeness to beware. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp your image deep upon my heart. Our world, our community, our family, our church needs models who are real and genuine, full of faith and love. I was thinking about this year, the last, started our third year here and thinking about those members of our congregation who've already passed and probably one of the most recent, Brother Marshall, Brother Marshall Robbins. I think he got this concept of letting his life, by God's grace, to be an example, to be a model of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church Families, schools, communities, the workplace needs genuine examples. Men and women who, by God's grace, are trying to live for Christ. To be models of the gospel. 
Timothy, be an example. Second, Timothy, establish your source of authority. This will go a long way. In other words, he's saying establish your source of authority. Timothy, be biblical in the way that you live, the way that you conduct yourself. Look at verse 13. Timothy, until I get there, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to the mystery of the Word, to preaching and teaching. So what was Scripture in that day? Well, there wasn't a New Testament. So when Paul tells Timothy to devote himself to the Word, to reading of the Scripture, what is he referring to? Well, he's many times, I think it's two things. First in the text, he's constantly referring him to teach and preach these things, these things, which was apostolic doctrine, teaching of the apostles, but as well as the Old Testament. And if you go back and study Bible history, it was common for priests to read publicly from the law, to read from the Pentateuch, the books of the law of Moses. And you see examples of men, priests like Ezra, they would read the word and God's people would receive the word and would listen and Weep as they heard it being read. How long has it been since you wept as you listened to God's word being read? And Jesus read from Isaiah the prophet in the synagogue, we know. The early church followed the same practice. Whenever the apostles, Peter, James, John, or Paul, when they would write letters to the churches, those letters were read aloud to the whole church, to the assembly. Paul told the Thessalonians... I charge you before the Lord to read this letter to all the brothers. He said the same thing to the Colossian church. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read to the churches throughout Laodicea. John writes in the book of Revelation, blessed is he who reads the words of this prophecy. Did you know as the first churches from the time that it gets started in the book of Acts to the first and the second century by that time that every New Testament church, there was a prescribed order of liturgy and you didn't move from it. It was set, it was prescribed and the most important aspect of the worship among God's people was the reading of the law. The reading of the word, the Old Testament law and then the apostolic writings, that's Everything was built around the reading of the word. I think if, you, if we did that too much and eliminated a lot of other things, we'd start seeing members drop off. Too much focus, too much attention to the word, to the reading of God's word. Then the practice was after the word was read, there was exposition and application, which is the basis, the origin for sermons, for messages. And all of it was expositional. It was all taken from the texts that were read. The reading, the proclamation of scripture, the teaching was the sole source of authority in the church. You remember Martin Luther and the five solas? One of the solas was sola scriptura, scripture alone. Scripture alone. Therefore, Timothy's authority as a leader to establish himself didn't come from him. His authority to lead came from his allegiance to scripture. That was the sole source. Paul says, Timothy, fully devote yourself to study and reading and exposition. Your personal authority to lead the church will deepen and will be strengthened as you live out God's word. 
I've often said this because I believe this with all my heart. Apart from the scriptures, I nor any other preacher really have anything worth saying that's of spiritual value. Apart from the scripture. And I've also learned the Holy Spirit will always honor his word. He may not honor stories. He may not honor skits. He may not honor poetry. He may not honor songs that are not biblically sound. But he will always honor the word. Which is why it's so important in our lives, individually and collectively, to be biblical. It's, a, it's the same thing for establishing authority in our lives, to be biblical in all that we do. So Timothy, eat well, exercise, be an example, establish a devotion to Scripture. Look at verse 13. Till I come, give attention. Devote yourself. Give attention to reading the Scripture, exhorting from the Scripture, which is exposition, establishing the church in doctrine. The men and women of the church would know what they believe and would be able to defend their beliefs. You remember in 1 Timothy 3 earlier when we were looking at those character qualities for spiritual leaders, and you remember in 1 Timothy 3 verse 8 that those who lead those brothers have to be apt to teach sound in Scripture who know the Word, who can communicate it and wise in applying it? Your authority comes from Scripture. 30 says exercise your gift. Fulfill your calling. Look at verse 14. I understand this verse to be that of referring to Timothy's ordination. And we're not given a lot of information about his ordination. When it occurred, where it was, who was involved with it, who participated. However, Paul does remind Timothy when he talks about to establish your leadership, stay focused, devote yourself to your gift. He does remind Timothy that it consisted of three parts. A gift was bestowed upon him, later referred to as a gift of God. And contrary to, to those who practice sacramental theology, the, at ordination, the pastor, whoever's ordained, does not receive extra power to, to do abnormal or miraculous kinds of things. That's not ordination. That's not the gift. I believe the gift here that Paul is referring to referred to Timothy's ministry. He had been publicly set apart for ministry. John Calvin wrote that there was a grace entrusted to Timothy for the building up of the church. Another scholar wrote the gift that Timothy received was the gift of teaching and exercising authority in the church to minister the gospel. His Ordination also included a prophetic message. If you look back at chapter 1, verse 18, it says prophecies, scripture was spoken over you, declared over you. And then third, his, he says in the text, his ordination also included the laying on of the hands by the elders. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Just, just, just over, just a little ways. 2 Timothy 1, 6. Paul says, therefore, I remind you to stir up, to fan the gift of God, which is in you through what? The laying on of hands. See, the point was the church had publicly set him apart, recognizing God's call upon his life. And so Paul reminds Timothy of his ordination, and he was not to neglect that gift, rather to stir it up, to fan it into a flame. The Bible teaches that God endows every one of us with gifts of his spirit. You have a gift. 
or maybe multiple gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you when you were indwelled at conversion. And those gifts that have been given to you and I are not static. Instead, they are to be used and developed or they can be lost. It's necessary from time to time, I think that all of us would do well to return to our spiritual roots, to God's work in our lives, and to remember God's call. How often do you think about God's call upon your life to be saved? Do you remember that? When God called you to be saved? Do you remember God's call upon your life to serve him? Do you remember God's call upon your life when you responded and surrendered? And surrendered yourself to him? To go back and remember that call for the purpose of being stirred up? For our faith to be fanned into a flame, for our love for the Lord Jesus to be restored? Paul is reminding Timothy, God called you. Through his word, through his spirit, he's equipped you, he's gifted you, and he's commissioned you by the elders of the church, setting you apart for gospel ministry. Timothy, therefore, his ability to lead the church was to be earned. His life was to be an example, built upon scripture, using his gifts, forth, Found in verse 15, with others seeing your progress. Timothy, absorb yourself in your work. I think he would say it this way. Timothy, the ministry that God has set you apart for today is not a nine to five gig. I, there was a guy, pastors a church on Brady, Edward McManus in California and Heard him speak several times and read his book, and he is a was pastor in this church. He was having trouble with his staff, and so he talked to his brother-in-law, who was a faithful, successful businessman. He said, "Well, tell me about your staff." And after Edwin told him about the church staff, this brother-in-law said, "Well, here's your problem: you got staff members that are monitoring their hours. They punch a clock. They track their hours instead of people who are passionate." about ministry, who are absorbed into ministry. We are blessed as a church. It's kind of like Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy to, to have a sort of single-mindedness. I was reminded, just came to my mind, but I was reading this week, you remember when the, when the children of Israel went in to possess the promised land? Do you remember which group of people was not given land? It was the pastors. It was the spiritual, the Levites. God gave them no land. You know why I think that was? Because he wanted them to be single-minded. To be absorbed, to be focused upon God's call, God's placement of life. And so he's telling Timothy, you need to concentrate and you need to persevere. Verse 15, be diligent in ministry. Give yourself wholly, entirely to it. The Greek word there is to immerse. Put all of your heart, soul, mind into it. One translation reads, make these matters your business. Make them your absorbing interest. Do you think it's possible that serving Jesus can lose its focus? <laughs> and the gospel and the ministry no longer absorbs us, that we lose our passion over the gospel and serving Christ and serving each other in the body of Christ and we just get immersed, get absorbed into other things. 
I think so. Life gets pretty busy and other demands come along, many of them very important and necessary, and they call for our time and our energy. And somewhere along the way, we stop making spiritual progress and begin to neglect the Lord Jesus and his call and his church and his people and our mission. Paul is reminding Timothy in verse 15, stay absorbed, stay focused, and here's what will happen. The congregation will notice your progress. They'll see the change in you. They'll hear God speak through you. They'll see Jesus working in your life, and they'll trust you, and they'll follow you, and the outcome is that you'll be an effective witness, a servant, a good servant for Christ. Let me add a word of clarity regarding that that does not mean that any of us should purport, hear me, none of us should purport to be perfect. If you and I are consumed about appearance, appearing to other people that we have no flaws and we have no blemishes and we never say bad words and we never listen and we never just do anything wrong, there's no flaws, no blemishes, whatever it might be, we're making a big mistake. Let me tell you why. Number one, first, it's hypocritical. The word for hypocrite in the New Testament referred to an actor who wore a mask. It's hypocritical. We need to stop wearing masks, stop acting and pretending that we're people that we are not. Because when we do, what happens is serving Christ, the joy, just, it just drains the joy out of it. And second, if we purport to be people that we're not, our pretense will discourage people who are around us. For example, Paul said to the Philippians, I concede that I have not already obtained. I've not already obtained perfection. I have not already been made perfect, but what? But I press on. I press on. I found the very exact to, the, to, be, to be true if you and I are real and genuine as followers of Christ, we admit our sins, sometimes sharing stories where we've missed the mark. To the contrary, somehow God uses that transparency to convey that there's hope for all of us. Now, that also doesn't mean that you and I should parade our sins to become too transparent and making embarrassing public confessions, but just being real. Sharing hope that God is at work in all of us. I heard Chuck Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll say this years ago on the radio, I've never forgotten. As an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, I therefore have nothing to prove and nothing to lose. If I'm an authentic follower of Christ, I have nothing to prove to anyone and nothing to lose except that pleasing God, pleasing the Lord. That when you lay your head down at night and you go to sleep, you can, you can say before God today, I've done my best. Or you might say, God, I really blew it today. And by your grace, I thank you that your mercies are new for me in the morning, that I get a fresh start. Finally, fifth, Timothy remained consistent. Stay steady. Look at verse 16. Walk with Jesus, take care of yourself, learning, being nourished, take care of others. Let who you are in private be equal to who you are in public. Be consistent. 
Gosh, we're hearing and seeing more and more about servants of Christ who were engaged in ministry and somewhere along the way they stopped walking with Jesus and walked off a spiritual cliff hurting themselves and hurting other people in the process. But the idea is that as you and I continue to abide in Christ and in his word and with a devotion, uh, tenacity to labor in prayer, taking care of ourselves, our progress becomes evident to others and we are blessed and we become a blessing. Brothers and sisters, take care of yourself. When you fly and they go through those demonstrations and then in, 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 in the case of a possibility that we, and it always kills me, if we crash into water, your flotation device is under your seat and I, did, I never really pay much attention to that. Uh, for obvious reasons. But in the case that we lose oxygen, what do they tell you to do? There'll be a mask that drop down, put it on yourself first before you put it on anyone else. Take care of yourself spiritually, eat well, exercise unto godliness, and then establish yourself as a leader. Be a good example. Don't neglect the gifts that God has given you to serve others. Stay absorbed, stay focused in Christ and keep pressing ahead and be assured that God will use you for his purposes and to be a blessing to others. Let's, let's pray as we prepare to come to the Lord's table.